Welcome back to another episode of An Uproarious Profundity for you, my fellow spiritually attuned go-getter. I am so excited that you're here with me. I am your host, Meggie Lee Calvin. Friends call me Meg. Feel free to do the same. I'm a coach. I'm a best-selling author, and I'm obviously, I'm a podcaster. And today, I'm here with my brother from another mother, Samuel. Welcome. How you doing, Meg? Better now that I'm hanging out with you. Well, it's uh, it's been a while, but it doesn't feel like it. Right. Yes. We met in, at an event, an amazingly healing retreat of sorts on the week of August 11th. So it's almost been two months since I saw you in person. It, yeah, it's gone by very quickly. Very quickly. Well, I am. I'm super honored and stoked that you decided to come by the the show today you and i had similarities in our stories and it was it was such a healing opportunity to be with you in that space and and hang out with you and um and before we get deep with our thoughts and serving our listener we're going to have an uproariously ridiculous time are you ready for four rounds of trivia um i'm going to say yes <laughs> that might be a lie but i'm going to say yes anyway Perfection. Perfection. You will have three seconds to answer. The first two rounds are just one word only, this or that, and then true or false. And then we give a little more grace and you can say more than one word. But the first thing that comes to your mind in three seconds or less, or else we shall be. Uh, We don't want that. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. So this or that. Chicken Alfredo or a hamburger? Um, Alfredo. Documentary or reality TV? Documentary. I had a feeling you'd say that. Work with wood or make an origami bird? Uh, wood. Cruise ship or Airbnb hopping for a month? Um, Airbnb. Be a boss for the day at the DMV or give a pedicure to an absolute stranger. Pedicure. (laughs) Would take a lot less time than the whole day. (laughs) I like people too. I don't. Well, I like, yeah, strangers. (laughs) Orange or the color gray? Orange. Hamilton or cats? Hamilton. Coming into the final two, beer or cocktail? Beer. June or October? June. June. Yay, you survived. Our next category is true or false. True or false. The aisle seat is where it's at on the airplane. False. True or false. It's rude to send your food back if it was not made the way you ordered it. False. True or false? The Dixie Chicks are one of the best bands. False. (laughs) I said that just to get you. Yes. (laughs) You got me. Man, that's so funny. 
you uh, you told me that that I reminded you of them just such high praise because I love them so much and then last weekend I was at a bluegrass festival and I was hanging out with my friend Megan who actually does she's a shorter petite blonde who resembles Natalie of the Dixie Chicks and the guy came up to her and he goes someone ever told you before that you remind me of the Dixie Chicks and I I interrupted their conversation and I said no I have my friend Sam told me that and he was this guy wasn't even talking to me <laughs> oh it's so great Okay, true or false? The dri- um, driving a stick shift is way more fun than driving an automatic. True. True or false? Having kids has helped me to love myself more. True. True or false? Work ethic is all that you need in order to be successful. False. Oh, definitely coming back to that one. True or false? Pumpkin spice latte? False. (laughs) True or false? The Bible only tells part of the story. True. True or false? Age is a matter of mind. True. True or false? Last one. I get cooler as I age. True. Awesome. Awesome. This is going so great. I'm learning so much. We'll now do complete this sentence. complete this sentence one time period that i want to live in is now one trend that i'll never understand is skinny jeans (laughs) on men or on anyone on men (laughs) (laughs) one book that changed my life was Um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Ooh, I love me some Eckhart. America could learn a lot about blank from the country of blank. Um, America could learn a lot about freedom from the country of when it was Rome. It's not really a country, but Rome. One mystical experience that I had was in blank. Uh, It was in a training. Haven't I? I think I haven't. I might have an idea what you're referring to that will definitely come back to that. Last time I apologized was for something about blank. Oh, um, something about drugs. One lesson that I feel I've been learning my whole life is that others are less blank than I once thought. Less aware. Wow, that'll preach. One lesson that I feel I've been learning my whole life is that I am more blank than I once thought. Capable. Definitely. Wow, not that hard. Like, that's three of four rounds of trivia done. 
Now we go into just because. What is the most ridiculous fact that you know? Wow. Let's see. Okay. Um, hunting unicorns in Michigan is legal. <laughs> that is amazing. How how old is that law? I have no clue. That's... I have no idea. I, it's one of those that you would think that was made up years ago, oh. like hundreds of years ago, and just they never removed it from their documents or something. Yeah, that, I just thought, I think that's funny. So funny. Oh my goodness. My daughter will be super excited to hear that since that implies that they do in fact exist. That's right. Yes. It's not so strange, you know. I mean, have you ever seen a giraffe? Have I ever seen a giraffe? Yes. Yeah. They are the most odd looking thing you've ever seen. That's true. That is a, yeah, very, very true. And how many animals have horns? And how many, yeah, touche, lots of animals. So your daughter's not too far off. And um, hunting unicorns would not look stupid in Michigan, but what is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Oh, picking their nose. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. There's, it's a necessity and there's no way to go about it while looking good. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so great. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where Jerry, Jerry was from the car. Did you ever see this one? Um, I, it's been so long since I've watched Seinfeld. Yeah, he's dating this gorgeous model. She's famous. I can't think of her name though. And he's in a taxi, and she's driving. And he's scratching his nose on the left side and she pulls up on the right side. And from her perspective, it looks like he's just going to town picking his nose, but he's just scratching it on the outside of his left nostril. <laughs> and so the next time he sees her, he's like telling her, hey, I know you saw me and I wasn't doing that. And of course, in Seinfeld style, he makes a whole episode about just that one three second moment. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's. There's a lot of classic humor in that show. So good. So good. Speaking of shows, who do you know that really reminds you of a character in a TV show or in a movie? Oh, well, there's probably a couple, but I've got a, I've got a brother that is just an absolute comedian. Mm. And he, he, can, he can remind me of Jim Carrey sometimes. He's got that same type of facial expression and, and just wild, like spontaneous, like craziness about him. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. What I mean, I've loved Jim Carrey since I, I should not have been watching him as a fifth grader, but I saw him <laughs> and fell in love with him in Ace Ventura, his physical humor, and he's just electric. He's so electric. <laughs> Did you no, ever watch him in In Loving Color? No. That that is where he started. Okay. I If you can if you can go back and find find some In Living Color, it was Jamie Foxx, Jim Carrey and the Wayan brothers. Pretty oh. awesome. Oh Pretty my awesome gosh. Show. 
That sounds like an amazing cast. It was. There's others that I don't remember their names right off the top, but Um, my answer to this one is my father-in-law who is a white man. And that has to be said, he reminds me of Tracy Morgan off Saturday night live or Tracy Jordan. Sorry. Um, he plays a character in 30 rock and he's a, he's an African-American man. He's a black man. And, um, and so the, by appearances only, they they you wouldn't think those those people remind me of each other, but their their mannerisms, the way that they use their words, um, they are each other, and it's it's so funny to me because so because for the longest time I was like who who does Steve remind me of like who oh it's Tracy Jordan from Thirty Rock and the OG and everything so it's so funny. Um, okay. Last one of, oh no, two more of just because what would the world be like if it was filled with male and female copies of you? Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Um, let's do like, I would just have to say a passive aggressive orgy. I have so many questions right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can save those for later. Mm, so funny. Oh, my goodness. Okay. If someone... Oh, I, I guess I, um, <laughs> I'm i like inserting my thoughts into these as well. I was thinking if the world was filled with nothing but me's, male and female Megs, there sadly wouldn't be any plumbing or air conditioners or airplanes. Um, all of the tactical, operational, mechanical inventions that make life better and we just can't live without um, that take math and science, I would, those things wouldn't exist. We'd have lots of art and lots of good conversations, lots of hugs, um, but uh, our world would be horrible because we would all be hot because no AC and there'd be horrible, um, we wouldn't have plumbing. So, okay. <laughs> but we would be able to, we would be able to speak well, right? Oh my gosh. That is, that is very true. What was that last thing you said? We would have lots of books. There would be lots of books. Yes. We would not have a shortage of words or expressing our ideas and dreams. Right. You're right. Um, if someone asked to be your apprentice, and learn all that you know, what would you teach them? Oh, first I'd have to start with what not to do. Like, Mm. don't copy me. (laughs) It probably won't go so well. (laughs) Um, Are you looking for, like, what I do well or what I, like... Because I would say, like, what I do well is is I view... I view my thoughts in three dimension instead of two dimension. And so I would probably teach them how to do that. Um, Which would, it allows me or it allow them to understand systems and how systems work and what the ramifications are of um, choices that are being made in, in, um, in production. So production systems, I guess I would say. Does it take more effort to see them in 3D? 
Um, I just haven't met anybody or very many people that think that way. Like I, I will take part, um, like something I'm working on a system and I, and I break it down and pull it apart and dissect it in my head mm. and I can move pieces around and, and like separate them, put them back together, turn them around upside down, just that type of thing. I haven't met very many people that can do that. So. That would be such a gift for people to learn that from you as an apprentice. Yeah. Well, as our listener can hear, Sam is definitely, or Samuel is definitely a spiritually attuned go-getter who is living from a place of service to others and has really holy ambition and doesn't play small in the name of religion and most likely, actually, I know that you meditate and know that life is not only the hustle and the grind and the rat race, but also being still and playing. And so if you listener are like Sam and I and consider yourself to be a spiritually attuned go-getter, you might be interested in my little theological, satirical self-help book. If Seth Meyers and a nun were to conceive a book baby, it would be this one. It's called I Am My Own Sanctuary, How a Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power. It is, as NPR's David Dalt called it, a full steam comedic rant. This satirical Amazon bestseller was written for other recovering people pleasers and encourages you to own the power of the divine within in order to take back the power over your life from others. It'll help you move with more confidence, even if sometimes you feel like a fake while still making time for a social life and without disappointing those you respect. So head on over to Amazon today, get it on paperback, Kindle, or it is on Audible. That is right. Check that out today. Without further ado, we now return to... (laughs) I'm so sorry. I have to go back to the uh, passive-aggressive orgy part. Um, So... (laughs) Are you implying that everyone would just be very sensual and very basically um, afraid to be assertive, afraid to be curt? <laughs> That's probably, yeah, that was just kind of the first thing that popped into my head. And I was like, you know, two things about myself is I enjoy sex and I can be passive aggressive. And so if there was just a ton of me, we would all just be passive aggressive to each other and have sex anyway. So, <laughs> oh. well, speaking of the the sacral chakra and the the beauty of sexuality, um, let's talk about that mystical moment you had. Wow, this one's a this one's quite a interesting one. So, I had an, a I was in an event and they were. Um, they had us meditating to some music and just kind of letting everything go. And, and I had a, I had a, a vision that kind of opened up in my head and it was, so I was sitting, I was sitting on a chair and there was a figure that came up to me and it wasn't so much a, um, I guess you would say it was a somewhat of an angel and the angel came up to me and introduced himself as G 
Jesus and asked if he could wash my feet. And I was dumbfounded that he would even, that he would want to wash my feet. Like, who am I? I felt like that I should be washing his feet. And so he took off my shoes and he took off my socks and he held my feet as if they were the most precious things in the world. And he washed my feet. And then another angel came into the room and Jesus stood up and walked this person over and he introduced him to me as God, our father. Mm. And I was even more dumbfounded that he would have the time to spend any time with me or that I was important enough. And, and so I asked him, why would you visit me? Yeah. And he said to me, because we are the same. Wow. And that was, that was the end of it. That experience was such a profound experience to me. And I don't want to get into whether uh, God is a woman or a man, because I don't, it doesn't make any difference to me one, one way or the other, but the, we are the same was the most profound thing to me. Wow. If we are the same, who's going to save you? Me. Mm. Maybe I don't need saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the, that was a huge realization for me as well when I stretched beyond the Bible, which leads us to the next question, which is what does new age spirituality offer you that Christianity didn't? And I was thinking of how there's such this emphasis in Christianity about humans in, in some sects of Christianity of humans needing saving and how that never rang true for me. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily believe it's true or not. That's a mm -hmm. question that I leave in the air. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly don't feel like that I've learned enough here. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I tend to lean a little more to that direction that this is a, this is an opportunity to learn. Um, we don't criticize our child that is learning how to walk because they can't run a marathon. So um, that's kind of how I feel about myself being here on this planet is that I am here to learn. Mm -hmm. And so making those mistakes is truly the only way that I can learn. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll get, I'll get it right the first time, but that doesn't happen very often. And I guess right really would be, you know, subjective anyway. Mm-hmm. So as far as the what spirituality gives me um, versus religion, um, I feel like freedom to make mistakes, freedom to learn 
without feeling uh, the judgment of the religion itself or the confines of the religion governing my salvation. Mm. Yeah, there can be such a big emphasis on in Christian religion on what happens in the afterlife, the salvation you're trying to earn, instead of what you mentioned earlier, the the now. Where we find more peace and joy in focusing on the now. I would think, and I would find it interesting, what if we get over to the other side and we find out that heaven was actually right where we were? Hmm. What if this is our, what if we're the ones that are creating our own heaven and yeah. or our own hell? Mm-hmm. I what could... if we're the ones responsible for that? Yeah. Oh, I would definitely, I would definitely um, get on that train for sure. Yes. 100%. Yes, I love it in the both both of us being raised in um, very religious settings and taking that into adulthood for some time, and then ex- expanding to see that Bible was telling, at least in our opinions, um, and from what you said earlier, the Bible was only telling part of the story. As I evolved, and um, not to sound pretentious in saying that, um, because whatever story someone is believing they're choosing to believe and it's serving them whether it's subconscious or at a conscious level, it's, it's serving them. And so even the most conservative right-wing evangelical Christian, whatever he, she, or she believes it's serving them, even though it might not serve me. And one thing that, that really did serve me when I evolved and got into the new age woo-woo school of thought was this idea of, of, t- of timelines, if, I, if I'm saying it right, that, am, am I saying it right? <laughs> this idea of our, our soul, our soul made a, made a promise, um, when we came here and there is neither wrong or right. There is this, come on, Meg, you can do it. You can sound smart. Um, When we are living from a place of low vibration, things that are not bringing us peace and joy and are not in line with our, our soul's promise, our, our, our timeline. Um, nope. I'm going to have to do like erase and edit all of this since I'm just rambling right now, (laughs) but um, don't worry about it on my behalf. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble while I find the, find my, find my thoughts. This idea that it's not about making good decisions or bad decisions or mistakes or doing it perfectly, but this idea of living at a low vibration or a high vibration and that we get to choose and the high vibe life choices aligns us with the the proper timeline and we can skip, have quantum leaps, use all these buzzwords and jargon I've learned. We can have quantum leaps in our timelines 
um, when we choose high, high vibe life choices. And so that, and it's all syntax, but really to even though it's all words, those words feel more like home to me than saying this is, this is a sin. Um, yeah. Did any of that make any remnants of sense? I totally get what you're saying. I've actually never thought about the uh, timeline like being skipped with the quantum leap. Um, that I find that that's an interesting concept. Um, certainly not opposed to that at all. Um, I would li- actually like to step back to your Bible conversation for a minute. Yeah, please. Um, so one of the things that, that I have started to believe about the Bible through study of the Bible and studying from people that have studied the Bible, that there, there are different levels of understanding of the Bible. Mm. And one of the highest levels of understanding of the Bible is that the characters in the Bible represent a psychological state of being for us as humans. Whoa. And so one particular, um, one particular uh, story in the Bible is when the Israelites were going into the promised land. And Moses had done everything that he had done for the Israelites in getting, taking them out of bondage and so forth. And he was not allowed to go into the promised land. And the, the thinking with this state of being is that the state of being that gets you out of bondage is not the state of being that can go into the promised land with you. And so Moses was actually representing a state of being for the individual in that story. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. That's so healing. And so rather than Moses being punished for some unknown thing that he did or didn't do, it was merely a state of being. Um, another one that I really like in, um, in this form of understanding the Bible is when they talk about the woman would be subject to the man. And I've always had an issue with this because I don't want to be in charge of anybody, Meg. I feel you. Amen to that. I don't want to be the one responsible for someone else. And Mm -hmm. so the the explanation to this, and when you start getting into the Hebrew uh, translation of the Bible, is that what they're referring to is the subconscious mind. And that the feminine Mm. represents the subconscious and the masculine represents the conscious. Whoa. And the feminine, being the subconscious, is always subjective or subject to the conscious mind. And so as long as you treat the feminine with dignity and respect, it will, it will guide your life. But to have the man dictate what the woman will do out of patriarchy or whatever the nonsense that, that all is, it's really the the marriage between the masculine and the and the uh, the feminine being the conscious and the subconscious the marriage of those two that creates the whole 
I find that that particular one to explain that one to me far better than um, I'm in charge of the woman because I, I, and if that's the case, I don't want to be in charge. Yeah, yeah. Nor does she need you to be. Yeah, I would hope not. I would, yeah, yeah. Wow. The subconscious is a feminine. The conscious is a masculine. The the conscious, our conscious state must respect and preserve the dignity of the subconscious. I, gosh, that's, that's phenomenal. I love that so much, so, so, so much. How, if you think about the conscious, it's very like concrete, very in a box, like structured task oriented this is what we're doing blah blah you know the subconscious yeah. is the creative totally. that is where contact with uh with the quantum field happens mm-hmm. um, and the subconscious will do anything that the conscious asks if there's dignity and respect and sometimes even when there's not but the the subconscious will serve you to your highest good if the yeah. conscious is treating the subconscious with respect. Oh my gosh. I have, I have chills. That's so affirming. And I, I can remember very clearly. A year ago when I started exploring through courses and learning about um, in spiritual courses around spiritual technologies and the metaphysical Christian world and started learning to trust my intuition and how the divine speaks through the intuition and through um, transcendental meditation and dreams and other synchronicities and not, not blowing that stuff off as just my imagination and starting to really respect and love my imagination more. And then similarly, starting to realize some childhood, some childhood shit that was still bothering me that would come up. And then I try to blow it off. Like you're okay. Now that was no big deal. And that you're exactly right. I, I love your words that I, I was not my conscious. The masculine within me was not honoring and respecting the subconscious that still wanted to be healed, but I hadn't brought it to the conscious level yet. So I was, yeah, that is, I'm, what a what a happier, peaceful, more healthy um, society we would have if that verse was interpreted that way. If more people, regardless of gender, were aware of those m- complementary energies within them. I, I totally agree, and I I think that the uh, the ability of if you go back in time the fear that was man to downplay the importance of woman to control society. Um, I mean, I get that that's where they were, but that is what I feel like is shifting. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that the, with the women's rights and the, um, the, some, some of the extremes that go along with that. And Mm -hmm. there's the, it's a pendulum, and it feels yeah. like that those things are absolutely necessary, 
to swing really far one direction to compensate for the way that it was for so long so that we can get back to a balance. And so to me, that's how I view, um, you know, when, when somebody says the typical woman liver, you know, whatever, whatever that liberation movement was, I, I find it very highly critical that that happens and it continues to happen so that we can have balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it help you in your own healing journey to embrace the feminine energy within you? I'm still, I'm still, uh, am learning to embrace that. Mm. Um, and I can tell that it's getting better. Um, so I can't honestly answer that question maybe the way you would like, because oh, it's, I have no preference how you answer. It's something I'm completely in engulfed in working on right now with myself. Yeah. Yeah. I had this ginormous epiphany recently and I real I'm half my clients, half my writing clients are male and half are female. And that's always been a desire of mine to work with both, to work with both genders. And I've always, I've always, I've always done it. I've always had either a boss that was male or I was a boss over males or my work friends were males or I have, I'm married to a male. I have friends that are male. So I've, to me, I've, I've never been one to think that I was, that my calling was only to work with, with women. Anyway, well, I noticed that of my clients, I, um, I was, it was easier for me to be really direct with one of my female clients and all of my male clients. I was, it was, I had no problem calling them out on their bullshit. And like a good coach does when they have a bullshit limiting belief that's holding them back and, um, holding them accountable and critiquing from a place of love. Um, and so I had this epiphany that in my, in my upbringing, in my childhood, while, while I was trained and taught that women could do anything, um, that it was about ability and not anatomy. And I I think I told you I was a, a minister before I do what I do now. And I began preaching at 13. I was pushed to the pulpit. I was I had was told I had gifts by male and female mentors. Never once did I feel that I was limited. I was taught to, to celebrate the differences of the genders but also know that I I would teach people how to treat me based on my my character and my abilities. And at the same while that's all awesome and good, at the same time the the, the emotional and physical abuse that I received, um, was from only women in my life growing up. And they, and most of the time there was a lot of manipulation and, um, pass the, the, the most unhealthy form of passive aggression and guilt trips. And just, yeah, I can't, I can't say it enough, like emotional manipulation from, from women in my life. So I never, I was, I look back and I think of my best friends from high school and they, they were men. <laughs> Both of them are men. And in college, um, I have one close, and thankfully now in my mid thirties, I have, of course, d- like you have done a lot of deep work and now have great friendships with both genders. But I, I was talking to my, my coach and was telling him about this realization that I, I need to be more 
I need to be tough. I need to be myself regardless of the gender of my clients because <laughs> that's not serving them for me to hold back. And I, and I said, I'm just easier to be more direct with this one female client and then all my male clients. And then he said to me, um, he goes, I'm, I'm going to correct you. And he said, the three, the three women in your, in your upbringing that didn't always make the healthiest choices with you and, and, um, they were hurt by the masculine. And so they do not have a healthy developed masculine side within them. What you're experiencing now is you are able to be direct with any of your clients that have a healthy developed masculine side and a healthy developed feminine side. And so it's not just a man thing or a woman thing. It's you're, you, you are a better coach. <laughs> you find it easier to be direct, which is what they need as your clients. If they have a healthy, developed masculine side. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that was a really healing epiphany for me to hear. It sounds like a, like an incredible epiphany. Yeah. Big time, big time. Yeah. It was so, so helpful. So, so helpful. Yeah. I, I'm just sitting, I'm sitting in the, the revelation of that. It's like, Oh, I never. And again, I guess that goes back to the subconscious of, I never realized that the Carl Jung quote, if until we make our subconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we'll call it fate. <laughs> that is a, that is a profound quote. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm very, uh, I'm very much Carl Young, like Carl Young. Yeah. Not everything, but a lot of what he right. yeah. is a pioneer of the, of the subconscious. Yeah. And I guess that's another gift to me of comparing the, or, or answering the question of when I left the mainline Christian church, what did I, what needs were met or what voids were met or filled by the spiritual or new age spirituality. And that would be one too the exploration of the subconscious mind. But I like what you're saying is that there are certain scriptures that go into that, but they're not interpreted that way or taught that way. If, if you got into the Bible, um, so a lot of the, the study and stuff that I do in there, if you break down just about every single story that is in the Bible, Mm -hmm. has that, um, the psychol it's more of a psychol a book of psychology of the human mind. And it, it changes the, the entire story that the entire Bible, while some of those may be absolutely historical facts, I'm not here to dispute that, but changing right, right. that into a, um, a book of psychology and states of being, um, it changes the entire story. And seeing it from that lens, um, there's so many profound insights that are there. Um, those, some of those have changed my life in ways that I, I can't even, I can't even begin to describe here. Yeah. Yeah. And given me a, a, a very peaceful feeling with religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have loved getting acquainted with the gospel of Mary Magdalene 
because I feel that she there even even as a young person getting involved in going to seminary, I always felt like, as I've already said, the Bible was telling only part of the story. And as another friend of mine would say, it's only talks about the earthly plane. <laughs> she says it's only for the earthly plane. Um, and she wanted to know more about other dimensions and other lives and lifetimes. And and what's beautiful about the, the, the gospel of Mary Magdalene is Mary Magdalene touches like it's it it read the gospel of Mary Magdalene reads like spiritual new age a spiritual new age text it's amazing and has been very helpful and and healing to me as well and and even alone in in regardless of what one believes about the nature of Mary Magdalene and Jesus's relationship in there alone you see the beautiful supplemental or cup complementary energies of divine masculine divine feminine and um which was part of the church for hundreds of years until, um, I don't know the exact time when, I guess the fourth century when, yeah, when it was canonized and the, some, some scriptures made it, made the cut in the Bible and some did not. So <laughs> yeah. 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 When it was stripped of its, uh, purity. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's so true. So, so true. So, Megan, I, I have a question for you. Okay, awesome. Did you leave religious upbringing and go right into your spiritual experience? Or did you have a period of, of complete dissolution to all of it? Oh, that's a great question. I feel... I have an inner knowing that it's the second one. Yep. Yep. I think when I was in, I think when I was in seminary, yeah, I went to, I really wanted to study how the brain worked in with um, serving children and families and writing curriculum. And so I had to, that wasn't in my denomination. I had to go to a Baptist <laughs> seminary. So it was much more conservative theologically and so then I was raised and yeah, while I was there, I definitely felt that disillusionment. Um, but then after seminary, it, I fell in, I fell back in love with it for lack of better words. I began not that that's not what I wanted to say. I, it felt not necessarily religion, but what religion was trying to do. I love, I love this analogy that, and maybe because I'm, it rings true because I made it up. So, but like when you play an instrument, you can play it by ear. And to me, that is spirituality, or you could read sheet music and play your instrument. And that is doctrines, dogmatic thought, religion, that is sheet music, playing it by ear or singing harmony by ear, which is what I, I can do is, is, is spirituality. And yeah, my, all my time of working in the church, I, I just always had this nudge that every, I didn't, I, I couldn't articulate it this way then, but what, what I, my, what my nudge was, was that we were all here to learn different lessons and 
that called for different curriculum. I never, I never got on board with evangelism or that it was our job to convert. Like I didn't think God needed us to convert anyone. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think did that answer your question. Yes, absolutely. Did Did you have a period of disillusion disillusionment? Um, yeah, for me, um, kind of what took me out of the religion. I, I was in a extremely strict uh, fundamentalist religion, and when I was early twenties, I was actually. Um, I'm going to say this, and some people may roll their eyes, but. I was, I was raped by a a woman and that was basically, I felt like that my salvation had ended at that point. And so there was no, there was no reason to carry on with trying to be good. And so I, everything that I held on to is something that was, um, that I had a chance to go to heaven was gone. So I just did, I did everything. I did anything and everything other than I still didn't like the feeling of like stealing or, you know, hurting other people. But as far as like self, like things that I wanted to do, drugs, alcohol, um, promiscuity, like there was nothing that was off the table for me. Mm-hmm. Because why, why not? If you're not going to heaven, you might as well enjoy your life here. That was the, that was my thinking on it. And so it took me, it took me a while to leave that, um, leave that thinking pattern to find that there was, there was still something valuable or something even more valuable than religion in just being a human being that cared about other people and cared about myself finding ways to serve humanity. Am I hearing you right that it was so ingrained in your brain that to have sex outside of marriage would mean eternal damnation or was it that it was unwanted by you that that meant eternal damnation? Um, it was, it was more the first, Okay, the first, that, uh, uh, that was your first was time that it was, yeah, and I had put myself in a situation that was not um, that allowed that to happen. So it's not a um, I'm not putting a, all the blame, but I was naive to the world of anything in the world of sex or sexuality. That was a word that was not even used in our family, mm-hmm. and so to have that experience right out of like, well, I'm still trying to be a quote, good boy. Yeah. And have that happen. It just, it kind of wrecked that, uh, that whole paradigm for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reminded uh, you talk about pe- someone might roll their eyes. I'm, I'm reminded of the, I've all, it's always broken my heart how we have a double standard of one's ability to be hurt because of their gender that 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 hurt you 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 were a man and it still hurt you and i don't know if i'm making any sense in saying that but it, it 
in a sense it kind of reminds it yeah it's 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 so it's just it's just ignorant in our society that some would think that you are less capable of hurt by that because you have you're a man yeah well yeah all all men that's all they really want anyway right <laughs> you can't rape the willing <laughs> yeah which has been another eye opening thing to me when and I know we have a I don't know if you've if you've connected with him. He was in Project Shift with me, so he's another he's a relationship coach in Daniel Adams and he talks about like when when women even in their 50s that he works with that haven't had an orgasm in like since they were 20 when they align with the, both the masculine and the feminine within them and they get clear on what they want to receive and what they desire their their orgasms go through the roof because they they have aligned both energies. And so then they, so at our best, at our healthiest, when regardless of gender, when we have both energies um, healthily developed, we both want it as much as the other gender. So, so what was the the turning point? Go ahead. Go ahead. You. Oh, no, no. You go ahead. I was going to say, I think when, when we, when we've learned that we're responsible for our own happiness and we start mm-hmm. doing the inner work for ourselves, that that is when those, those, our needs tend to be met by the other person rather than waiting for the other person to meet the needs that they never can. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think a lot of it comes from, from, from that, having that balance for taking care of your own needs. Not that the other person can't play a part in that, but speaking for your own needs and being Mm -hmm. assertive with what it is that you want without just sitting there waiting for someone else to take care of it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the bouncing back to um, Samuel in his twenties, what was the turning point or what was the moment where you realize that you were very loved still, regardless of that woman's poor choice and this, that the situation that you said you um, put yourself into, if I, if I remember your words right. But when did you start seeing things differently in a way that aligned you more with what you desired? I think probably when... So I had reached uh, probably my lowest point um, as a full-blown addict. Um, And I was laying in my bed and I just had reached a point where I I didn't really care if I lived or lived or died. It was just kind of a, you know, I had partied as much as I could party. I'd lost as much as I could, could lose other than my life. And I was laying there and there was a chair at the end of my bed that was facing me. And the thought came to me to start talking to God as if he was sitting in that chair and just tell him my heart. And so that's what I did as I started talking to him. And I feel like that was the moment that things started to shift for me. Wow. 
that I started to realize that he was still there listening and he was just waiting for me to talk mm-hmm. and that he was allowing me to, to live whatever way I wanted to live. And I didn't feel judged by him when I was talking. Yeah. I felt, I felt like he was sitting there saying, yep, yep. I'm right here and whatever you need. So that, that was the, the, I feel like was where it started to change. And, and I can tell you that it has not been an easy road. Mm-hmm. I have had many bumps along the way. I still have many bumps along the way and I'm still growing. Um, the training that we did in the event that was in Dallas uh, was magnificent for me. Mm-hmm. I have made some extremely big shifts from that and I'm, in the, in the middle of making those shifts mm-hmm. and maybe that one's for a, another podcast altogether, but oh yes, um, I feel like the trajectory that I'm on is, is now of my own making. You're so beautiful. And I know, I know I can say that Thank to you, you. I know. and you know, yes, yes. I knew, I knew, I knew that you would receive it and understand it and yes, inside and out. How did the the moment with the chair and that moment with God compare to the vision that you were describing 30 minutes ago where Jesus introduced you to God? Was was the bodily sensations the same? Was the was the like um did you feel God's presence? Yeah, same question. Like spatial, spatial reasoning. Did you feel God in front of you, beside you, inside of you? Or how do those two mystical moments compare or contrast? So I think the first one would would be um I was in a, a different place, but it, it was uh so the one where I had the vision, that was a very uh, humbling experience. And also very uh, eye-opening to me that that he truly cared so much about me that that he would be willing to come there and wash my feet, and that we were the we were the same. That the sensations in the body were um, I was in disbelief, I guess, in the experience, almost as a like I couldn't believe what I was seeing, like that I was questioning whether that it was true what I was seeing where the one where he was sitting in the chair, it was more of, I felt like that was a, like a barrence of my soul Mm. where I was, where I was finally coming to where I was willing to be honest with him, where I was and what I was struggling with and let go of the, of the judgment that I was feeling from him that was never there, but it was, I guess it would be the judgment that I was feeling from myself. Oh, wow. And so completely different uh, feelings and definitely different body sensations. One was more, you know, one, one I was weeping sorrow. The other I was weeping in awe and disbelief, I guess. In both visions, in both mystical experiences, rather, would you say you were reminded of your own power as a divine co-creator? No, only in the second. The first oh, really? one, um, that one really was just a like a 
a stepping point of, of letting go of the judgment of myself and that, that I had a choice from this moment forward, mm-hmm. that the past wasn't, wasn't my defining, that did not define me. Yeah. Yeah. At the event, and I know we, you're right. We just need to have you. I just need to hang out with you again on the show because I just want to keep talking. And I know we have other parts of our life to get back to. At the at the event when you wanted this part stuck out to me because I felt similarly to how you were feeling. There were moments you voiced things and I was like, I'm feeling the same exact way. You wanted everyone to hug you. There was a moment when we were in an, in an exercise and um, the facilitator said no, that we couldn't all hug you in that moment. What, what went through your mind? What do you think his motive was for that? Um, if I had to speak for him, (laughs) I would, and the way that I was feeling when he said that was that it was time for me to love myself. Mm hmm. Yeah. That I'm the one that's responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one that can that can do that. I can receive love from other people, but it's my responsibility to take take care of that for myself. Mm-hmm. Was that empowering? I to was you? feeling uncomfortable in yeah. in the moment and I felt like that would take away the discomfort. And yes. he made the, the correct choice. Mm-hmm. there or the choice that served what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love how you worded that. Not the, not the correct choice, but the choice that served what was you were going through in that moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have, I have, I was, I was feeling the same. I was feeling the same way. I, I wanted, I wanted to be hugged, um, a lot at that, at that event, at that retreat. And I was talking to Ginger who is so well astute in Dr. Gary Chapman's books, the five love languages. And I've always said, I've always said to people like my love language is words. I'm, I'm a writer and I, I love words. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> talk, talk, talk. And then Ginger was like, also, <laughs> She goes, I don't, I don't think your love language is words. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she goes, I have never hugged someone that holds on to hugs as long as you do. <laughs> and she said, and she said, everyone, she goes, I've been watching you at the retreat. And when you talk to people, like you put your hands on their shoulders and, um, and she's exact, she was exactly right. I, I, I think from, again, going back to upbringing and subconscious stuff from childhood, I was. I always felt alone and was neglected a lot. And, um, the, out of, out of former pain in the family around, around, uh, around sexual abuse, like touch was not, touch was not good ever. And so I was just told to, um, I just, um, didn't, didn't receive a lot of touch, didn't do a lot of touching and, um, thought it was bad to touch. And as I have aches, then, um, I'll never forget when I became a parent and I was rocking my infant, um, to sleep at the time, 
she's seven now, but she was an infant. And I remember I was just sitting there rocking her and for, I would just smell her head. I would smell, you know, the best smell in the world is a baby's head. And I was smelling her head and kissing it. And I could just smell it and kiss it for, for her head for 45 minutes and just love on her. And I remember thinking, what is going on with me? And I started loving hugs and, um, back rubs and back scratches. And I, as I shared at the event, I, I love asking my husband to, to hold me and just, um, not in a sexual way, (laughs) just in a comforting way, like scratch my back. Like that's the best way that I feel loved. And, um, and so becoming like the past seven years, I have just totally started embracing physical touch. And yeah, regardless if you're a friend of mine, that's a male or a female, I am, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to, if you're okay with that, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder while I talk to you. And, um, and so when Ginger said that to me, I was like, oh my God, you're exactly right. And I, I know now when I speak manifestations, I, I beat my, I tap my chest with my fingertips, like a very, I always knew I was a kinesthetic learner, but I never, it was so freeing in my mid thirties to be told like, I think your love language is physical touch and that's good and beautiful. And, uh, so when you, when you said, I want everyone to hug me, I was like, me too. (laughs) I'll hug Sam. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that nobody did. Yes, me too. I knew that was exactly what you needed. And I was in that moment. And I was told, I was told similarly at other times and, um, of the event as, as well. So yeah, yeah, I, I've, we, we were on the journey together with some similarities for sure. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. It it was absolutely incredible. I don't, there's, there's really not a a lot of words that can explain it to someone that hasn't gone through it. Mm -hmm. And I I have been to other events and, and some of the other events I've been to have been absolutely like beyond phenomenal. Um, But that one was short, sweet, and profound. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Final question what are, what are you most proud of yourself for right now on October 3rd of 2021? Uh, So right now I would say what I'm most proud of is setting commitments for myself that are absolutely doable and sticking with them. Um, I'm not doing the 14 minute plank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, learning how to love myself through trusting myself mm. that when I commit something for myself that I will do it. Um, goals are for me, I, I have a different view of goals. Um, I think a goal without changing your lifestyle is a wasted goal, a waste mm-hmm. of a goal. And so rather than being a, uh, marathon or running a marathon being my goal. My goal is to become a runner. And if I run a marathon, then that's just part of who I am now. But the, the being proud of sticking with the commitments that I've made since that event, I found that I was always over committing myself to 
do things without being truly clear what I was doing or what my expectation of myself was. Um, and so that is something that I, that I've changed since then. And I'm very clear with exactly what I'm working on. I do not add to it. Mm. I do not take away. I keep the commitment for the time that I've set and it becomes the most important thing in my life. Wow. And learning, learning to trust myself so that I can make commitments for things that I want in my life and know that I will do it. Mm -hmm. That sounds like such an inspirational blend of the feminine and the masculine of the divine order and divine chaos within you. It's probably one of the most difficult things I've, I've ever done in Mm. not modifying my commitments. Wanting to add more and knowing that that isn't what serves. What heals us and makes us whole isn't meant to be hoarded. There's There might be a part of what you share today that could help them on their own healing journey. Are, are you okay if people follow you on social media? Absolutely. I don't spend much time on there as of yet. Um, I have a Facebook page and that's about all I have at this point. Mm-hmm. I am actually, um, I am in the middle of working on a podcast (gasps) that has not been set up. Ah, this is so exciting. I can't wait. Um, maybe we can collaborate on that. Yes. yes. Um, the name of the name of that podcast is in the pursuit of ourselves. Mm. Um, talking about spirituality versus religion. So something I've been working on for a while. Um, Or they can just send me an email. Um, If you wanted to uh, post that email, I can, or I can just say it here. Um, It's Sam Diddlyam, (laughs) S-A-M-D-I-D-L-Y-A-M at gmail.com. I will put that in the episode notes as well. Okay. And now that you, I'm so glad, I believe, as I'm sure you do too, there's power in speaking our desires into being. And so I'm so glad that the airwaves of the interwebs now hold this podcast of yours that you're creating. It's, it's definitely in its infancy, but it is, uh, it is starting. So, yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Thank you.